Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rise and shine, football fans. Welcome to Morning Footy. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. I'm Susanna Collins alongside, look at this, Mike Gorella at the desk. We've got Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros. What's going on, guys? How was the weekend? The weekend was great. I had a great weekend. How about you guys? <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah. Too short. I was on the beach all weekend. Way too short. Gorella, you look very tan. <laughs> yes. Sun-kissed. You know what? I know. A little too much. Yesterday, I stayed out of the sun all day. I was just uh, inside, hanging out with the kids and stuff like that. <laughs> You're yeah. just glowing. So, like, I'm you conscious know of it. I know you used to tell me you average about two hours a day. In tanning, tanning boots. Dude, dude, listen. <laughs> no, tanning beds never. But dude, listen, honestly, I like to work outside. I like being outside. I like going on like long walk hikes, uh, working outside, golf. being out. Golf. A lot of golf, a lot of soccer with the kids, playing. You know, so I'm always, I'm trying to stay outside as much as I possibly can. Love that for you. Yeah. How's your golf game these days? It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. It's been costing me a lot of money. That's why I'm working today. I feel like every time I check your Instagram. I came in story, today to do extra time today. Because <laughs> you gotta, you got to support that golf habit. Yeah, you yeah. you got to earn bad. that coin. Honestly, it's bad. I'm, I'm like on a five-loss streak. Oh, it's not good. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Are you playing for money every time it. you go out? Every single time, yeah. So there's got to be something in the game. There's got to be skin in the game. Is it time. per hole or just overall? Uh, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, there's a little bit of everything going on. There's a lot of action. Okay, I like yeah, that. Yeah. You'd hate me. I play best ball. I'm out there just for the fun, the vibes. <laughs> Not you, huh? No, never. No, you, he's like, no, best ball got, fun? You, no. you want to play? Yeah, but yeah, right, yeah sure. Can how I borrow, you play, how you can play I borrow money? <laughs> how you playing lately? Any good? Mm, not at all. All right, no, good. So I'm terrible. We're playing tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Turns out I got a baseball swing. Doesn't work on the golf course. <laughs> you've, I, you've got some dance moves. I saw you, I saw your Insta story from yeah, the weekend at a, a wedding. Cutting a looked rug. Very dapper. Probably why. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, my wife looked incredible. Uh, it was a great wedding. It was at the TWA Hotel. It was a cool vibe. It felt like the 1960s. It was dope. That's so. That is such a neat thing at JFK that they've done. It's, it's like, wild. It's, it's the old like TWA terminal. They turned it into a hotel. Time. It's crazy. It's so wild. It's wild. Yeah, you check into the hotel where you would check into a flight. <sighs> they take your luggage and they put on the thing. It's so dope. The what whole thing weekend. is dope. It was a lot of fun. Hurt what my a foot. weekend. It definitely feels like a Monday, though. <laughs> but guys, we're going to get through it. We're all together. Right? Right? That's all that matters, I baby. You. I need you all to pick me up today. Um, let's chat some Women's World Cup, shall we? Because um, we now know who is advancing in Group A. It is going to be Norway and Switzerland, Norway absolutely drubbed the Philippines 6-0. And the Philippines, that was going to be such an incredible story. It was looking like it was going to be uh, maybe one of the underdogs of, of this tournament. Sadly, their journey ends. But lots to be proud of for them. But it feels like Norway and Switzerland. I think when we looked at this, I think I had New Zealand advancing out of this group. I gave them the host bump. Same. Um, but based on... 
the play. I mean, this, this makes perfect yeah, sense. I think what like New Zealand surprised us all in the first game with that 1-0 win against a very good Norway side. And, and then they got a, the biggest surprise of their life, losing to the Philippines. I think coming into the tournament, they said they'd be happy to just score a goal. Mm-hmm. Not only did they score their goal, but they got all three points out of that game and, and, and surprised New Zealand. That ended up being basically the, the final blow for New Zealand because they couldn't get a result in the final game. I think what surprised me the most was Norway not playing up to their potential. And Ada Hegerberg obviously was injured, pulled her groin. But they just weren't dynamic in the attacking third, given all the players that they have. And in this one match, do or die, they put up a, a six? Six. A six yeah, nil? And, they needed and, to, too. And, and they did it. Sophie uh, Ramon Haug is scored a hat trick. I mean, this is the player who comes in to replace Hegerberg and, and just absolutely three crosses, three finishes, yeah. just sound in front of goal. And, and Caroline Graham Hansen got her f- first goal of the tournament, just looked on, 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 on another level. When she can get into open space, takes a shot from outside the box when you give her that much space, fantastic. And freedom on them in the midfield, creates for the team, good on the ball. This, this team finally looked like the Norway that we expected in this World Cup. Yeah. Apparently their coach had a real like, you know, look in the mirror moment with the team and was apparently very aggressive in how she spoke to the team. And they clearly reacted very positively. But you want to go up against the Philippine team. You know, this is the first time in this situation. They had a big win. You know, they must be feeling great. Hopefully this is great for the development mm-hmm. of the sport in their country. Sure. It seems like the Philippines and the Philippine diaspora were all behind them, which was beautiful to see, especially for the development of the sport. But when, you know, Norway comes in, when they finally get all their, you know, they're banging on all cylinders, it's a beautiful thing. And now they go up against Japan who had another big win. And this is going to be one of the matches of this tournament. Yeah, oh, that was a perfect transition. Thank you, Alexa. I got you. Look at you. Were you looking at that rundown? Huh? Wow. I have no idea. Is this in hey, English? You're such a pro. Yeah. It's such a pro. Yeah, so. Um, oh, mine's upside down. So in Group C, we have Japan and Spain advancing. We knew that those were the two teams that were going to be getting out of the group. We just didn't know who was going to come out on top. But as Alexis uh, so eloquently mentioned, um, they absolutely took it to Spain. A 4-0 win for them. They are looking scary good in this yeah. World Cup. That Japan. counter is dangerous. I know we were having an argument before we came on because Charlie believes that he would rather the U.S. play Spain. And normally I would have said the same thing. But Japan wants you to have possession and yeah. they want to counter. We want to have possession. We want our we want our fullbacks to go high up. We don't want them sitting back, not clogging that midfield. I said I'd, we'd rather play Spain. Or? That's what you said, right? No, I said Japan. You said rather play Japan. I'm sorry. Yes. I'd rather play Spain. Mm-hmm. They don't want. They want possession. We want possession. That seems like a nice even battle. To sit here and have to try to defend that counter after what I saw them do to Spain, they might be able to pick one or two, one or two out. How, how, basically, Netherlands and Spain play very a similar style. Mm-hmm. Spain being better than Netherlands, and you saw how much trouble the U.S. had. Japan, for me, is, is very predictable in the way that they play. A super pragmatic, they get in their low blocks, and they look to counter. In transition, they're super dangerous. I think for the U.S., if you're playing against Japan, who are just going to sit back and concede possession in today's match. We ain't match, even out of the group yet, Chuck. We got to. We got to. I expect them know, to be Portugal. I yeah. I got to disagree with Charles. I mean, I think, listen, they're both very good teams. I think this is a one-off for Japan. I don't think if they play 10 games with Spain that they beat them 4-0 this easily. But when you look at the, uh, the women's national team, the U.S. women's national team, you know, they're the, they're the favorites, no, no question about it. They're looking for their three-peat, their fifth, their fifth title overall. And when you play against the big teams like the U.S., you're not going to beat them toe-to-toe. So the only way you can beat them is how? On the counterattack, right? And so 
for me, Holland was able to get a result against the U.S. through a counterattack. So if, if Japan is going to play that way, I think that gives them the best chance to hurt the U.S. Because the only thing that can hurt the U.S. right now is if they lose balance when they attack because they love to fly forward mm -hmm. and they leave a lot of spaces at the back. So the only thing that I think a team that could hurt them is a team that plays on the counter, and Japan is that team. The Netherlands didn't play on the counter. They, the, they, the goal they, came from the counter. They dominated possession. They they blocked up the midfield. They When they gained possession, the U.S. would press. They played out of pressure. The Netherlands played far better than the U.S. in the first 45. In the second 45, Rose Lavelle comes on, and there's a much different tempo to the game. And obviously, she's missing when she's not on the pitch. Are we all expecting? We're all expecting she's going to start this third match. I, I would say at yeah. least giving her 60 minutes in this game. Yeah, she doesn't play the full 90. I hope not. No. But she's got to start. We, I want to see her at the beginning of the match. But, so I kind of, again, I kind of tend to agree with what I said and what, what Mike is saying. Mm -hmm. This feels like this feels like they're, they're, we're not going to be able to push our fullbacks too far up because we're going to be worried about that counter, especially how lethal wanna, Japan has been. I wanna, we're going to chat about the U.S. and their game against Portugal mm -hmm. uh, a little bit later on. So I want to, it's great, great stuff, guys. But we're going we're gonna to hit that. But in, in terms of Japan, Spain, yeah. Japan had 23% possession, 23 they only had 267 passes with 59% completed. Against Spain. Against Spain. And, what is that? and they, all, and they, and they won 4-0. Four four <laughs> they don't and you play. play with them? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't. Every day, I'll take that every day knowing transition and counterattack is the only way they're going to beat you. That but is it. It is what they're best at. So, yeah. you, so you but Susanna did try to move us to a different subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but, think there's but, no right answer. No, but, I think it's but we're talking one. about Japan. Just Japan, Spain. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. This game. Okay. Let's uh Let's, let's check in on uh, Group B because we've got um, some live standings to look at. As we know, we've got um, Australia is currently up on Canada 2-0. So as it is right now, Australia would win the group and Nigeria would advance. Wow. Canada this is crazy. would be out. This is crazy. And this is nuts because Australia needed this so, so, so badly. Sam Kerr is on the bench for this one, but they've got um, two goals in, in this game. And this was, I mean, to, for, to be the host nation too, to feel that kind of pressure, I think uh, this would just be massive, just, absolutely just, massive. Just for, for the host nations in general, New Zealand's out, right? So if Australia's yeah. out, it kind of just feels like there's that void it of not having the host nation. And just the, the, the sound of when you watch the Australians play, like the sound of the stadium is different. Yep. Um, obviously it's packed and it's loud and there's a lot of enthusiasm behind them, but they're winning 2-0 and Nigeria, Nigeria for me is the real talking point because A, they look really good, mm -hmm. but coming to the tournament, they were plus 75,000 odds to win the thing. And that's, so if they go through at the moment, they'll be the biggest underdog going through. That kind of made it look like they belong. They made it look easy. It's not like they scraped away these wins. They, yeah. they you know, that three, two thriller with Australia. Um, and then they look good, like I said. So that, that's a big talking point for me. I'm, I'm super happy for Australia, given the amount of pressure. The, the coach, Tony Gustafsson, has been taking a lot of heat because he didn't let everyone know that Sam Kerr is injured. They, they've been keeping it a secret. And you don't have to publicize it and, and kind of give teams ammunition to say, hey, Sam Kerr is not playing. So now that she's on the bench and she's, you know, calves are difficult, as you know. It, it takes a while to get back from it. She hopefully can play 10, 15 minutes. But for this team to come out and respond with all the pressure against mm -hmm. them, m massive. I'm, obviously, they still got to close, close the deal up 2-0. Yeah. But this, is, this would be a but, huge result. Like Sam Kerr is the, arguably the best player in the world. And if you are missing that piece and for them to still be in this position, I mean, like, that's got to feel what a, what a feel-good story for them. And if they can get to your point, even limited minutes from her, what a boost mm -hmm. that would give them moving forward in this tournament, if they can hang on. Again, 
we're still this game is still going on, people. Yeah, still two nil. But you got to feel bad for Canada soccer, you know, for everything they've been through, talking about being bankrupt and whatnot. You really hoped that this women's team would come out and shine mm -hmm. when given the opportunity, and and you're really seeing sort of a, just sort of a. It's, it's a real shame. Do you I, think I really it's, do you think it's symptomatic of maybe some of the off-the-field drama that we've seen with Canada and soccer and all of the, the equal pay and them basically having to, like, go fund me their <laughs> trip to yeah. the World Cup? I mean, there is a lot going on I think behind the scenes. That, a, that has to weigh on the players in some way. It definitely does. Like, stuff that happens off the field that in your life that directly affects your life, I think, affects the way you play. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes you could be the fittest, right? But you need to feel that love from the coach. You need to feel that love from the federation. You need to be happy with your financial situation. You need to be happy. There's things that happen off the field. You have to have good family situation, good. All these things have to add up to you playing well and feeling good about mm -hmm. being there. You know, when you're, all this stuff's going on going into the tournament. It's difficult, I think, for you to stay solely focused. But they did do good enough to give an, a, a really massive opportunity. All they needed was a draw today yeah. just to stay up. We'll see. It could still happen. Just still, still a happen. shot. Yeah. yeah. Still a shot. Still a shot. Um, okay, we have to, uh, we can't not talk about Colombia, no, Germany. For me, this was the match of the weekend. Colombia with a 2-1 win over Germany in the dying moments of this game. Did you know this is only Germany's second loss in group Oof. stage all time? The Look last time they technique. lost in group stage was 1995. Look at Linda this Caicedo with crazy. the goal of the tournament. Outrageous. She is 18 years old. And, and then here, just uh, the game on the line, you know, can you get come away with a point? That still would be great for Colombia. But I think for me, what was shocking was watching this first half, Linda Caicedo was a ghost. She, she barely was involved. Anytime she did, it looked like she didn't have the energy. We heard about the, uh, the story of her collapsing in training. I was watching her with, with my, my fullest attention. I thought, man, something's off. Maybe she doesn't feel quite right. And the second half comes, she does get another opportunity down the right flank, dribbles out of bounds. I'm like, man, something's off. She gets the ball at her feet, magic. And yeah. it's, it's the highlight <laughs> of the tournament. To draw in two defenders, split them quite easily, curl the ball. I mean, top bins, there's not a, there's not a, there's not a goalkeeper on the planet that could have stopped that. And then for Germany, for Germany to give up a header outside, beyond the penalty spot, basically, to a fullback, Venegas, who had all the time in the world, and it's not even like it was a dead shot. It kind of bounced before yeah. the keeper. I mean, that's shocking. To, mm -hmm. me, to, to me, the big thing, though, to take away for me was that it was the intensity that Colombia played with. Yeah, obviously, there's this brilliant goal, and then, the, the, you know, Germany hasn't lost a game since 1995 in the group stages. But to me, the intensity that they matched, they were, like, high up the pitch, up in their face. Uh, Ramirez, the striker, was incredible. She yes. must have ran the channel more than I ran the channel in my entire career. 100%. 100%. In one game, it was, it was, she was incredible. 100%. You are I mean, running the no was, the was, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Give no, it to my feet. Give it to my feet. 17 fouls to eight. And they, the whole time, were in their face, almost to the point where Alexander Pop was like, what the hell yeah. is going yeah. on here? Germany couldn't cope. Uh, Germany I, were getting bullied, bro. It was yeah. crazy. Bullied. And, and you loved it because they never back down, and then at the end they get the, they get the deserved three points. Yeah. Yes. But we talk a lot about football and tactics and all this. Sometimes just about intensity. Sometimes just about, like, energy and fitness levels and stuff like that. And they look, they were outstanding. It was awesome. Hey, I feel really good about wearing that Columbia kit on yeah. Friday. 
I'm just saying. Yeah. You put it out. Positive we got to get you an it NYCFC <laughs> kit. <laughs> no, we don't. Yeah, if you, no, we don't. If you got that good juju. I ain't no mush. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take a break. Uh, Michelle, Ju Michelle Gingras, thank you. I can speak on a Monday. Has some headlines for us when we return. Don't go anywhere. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's start today's headlines off with some transfer news updates. According to multiple reports, AC Milan and Valencia have reached an agreement for the 20-year-old who agreed on personal terms with the Rosaneri weeks ago. He will join his U.S. men's national team teammate Christian Pulisic at the Italian club in a transfer worth $22 million. Milan has made three offers for Musa, who has been a regular at Valencia for the last three years after joining from Arsenal in 2019. And moving over to news out of England, Manchester United have reportedly agreed to a deal to sign Rasmus Hoyland from Atalanta. The Premier League club is set to spend nearly $92 million, including add-ons to acquire the 20-year-old Danish striker. Hoyland is one of Europe's most promising young players. Last season, he registered nine goals in 32 Serie A appearances. He will be Eric Ten Hag's third summer signing following both Mason Mount and uh, Mason Mount, excuse me, and Andre Onana. And moving literally out of England, Newcastle forward Alan St. Max became the latest player to leave a Premier League side for Saudi Pro League Al-Ali over the weekend for an undisclosed fee. The French forward joined the Magpies from Nice in 2019 and went over to make 100 appearances for the club. Al-Ali, who are run by Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, have also signed Rihad Merez, Roberto Firmino, and Edward Mendy from Premier League clubs this summer. And in transfer news from Europe, the La Liga champions are reportedly set to lose one of their key attacking pieces. According to multiple reports, Ousmane Dembele is finalizing a five-year deal with PSG. The French winger has reportedly agreed already to uh, contract terms with Ligue 1 champions, and he is preparing to trigger the $55 million release cause to buy Dembele. The 26-year-old World Cup winner has made 185 appearances for Barcelona over his five-year career, helping them win the league three, three titles in that time. And lastly, UEFA has reached their verdict on an investigation they launched last December against Juventus. They officially found the Serie A side guilty of breaking financial fair play rules and have removed them from European competition for this upcoming season. Juventus will also have to pay an $11 million fine, which will double if the club's annual accounts for the next three years uh, if they do not make uh, fair play requirements. So, Mike Grella, do you think that we have finally reached the end of this Juventus saga, or do you think there are more penalties and fines to come in the future? I, I really hope so on a personal level. Uh, I think Juventus have done so well to become a world brand, and they have fans all over the world, and they're a massive club. They're fun to watch. So when you hear these kind of things that come out about financial, um, you know, sort of tainting things and not doing things the right way by the book, and then uh, Cacciopoli that happened not too long ago, mm -hmm. I think it really takes away, and me, you know, I followed Juventus for a long time. It, it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth, but I do hope that it's over, because last season we were covering the City Eye, it was like they got points taken away, oh. and then added back on, then taken back away. It was just a mess. I think even for the neutral fan to watch, it's like, kind of like, whoa, it takes the legitimacy away from Italian football. And so 
Um, I think what's happened in the end actually ends up shaking out really well for Juventus. 11 million, fi 11 million bucks fine. They're like, thank you very much. Not having to play in the Conference League, you could, this, you could take a lot of positives away from Juventus not having to play in the, the Conference League as well. It's not a ton of money involved in it, and I think they'd be probably the biggest club in, in, the, in the competition. So then being able to focus on the Serie A, on the rebuild and everything else, and only have to pay $11 million fine, we hope that that's the end, and I think it is. Uh, but I think Juventus, Juventus gets out of that uh, pretty, pretty fortunate. Grella, last year you said Juve, not fun to watch. Do you think this year their style changes, that they get back to playing in a, in a way that is appeasing to the eye? Not much. I think Allegri's going to stick to what he knows. Uh, I saw a clip of them the other day working really hard, fitness-wise, like really training really hard. They got a lot of good pieces, you know. Timmy Weah, they, they got Gatti who's stepping up now. They, they, they have Paul Pogba will come back into the fold. Chiesa firing on all cylinders. I watched him the other day, and then I look around the other teams in Italy, and I think Juventus, for me, are one of the favorites to, to win the Scudetto next year. Even, even that they play is gonna, not going to be fun to watch, but they're going to get results. Off topic, where does Weston McKinney fit in that? Well, I, I watched him play against uh, Milan. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think at first there was rumors that he was going to go, and now they, they're looking at potentially keeping him. I think he's a great piece to have around. I mean, he's just a guy that wins balls physically in both boxes. He gives you a lot. I think he's a great guy to be around when things are going well for him. So good locker room, guys. So mm -hmm. we'll see how that all ends up, but uh, I, I think at the moment, he looked like a pretty important piece in the Juventus midfield. We're going to chat some League's Cup action when we return. We'll be right back. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back. Here's a look at the weekend results of League's Cup. We've got FC Cincinnati getting the 3-1 win over Chivas. Orlando City beat Santos Laguna 3-2. We have Vancouver with the 2-1 win over the LA Galaxy. Cruz Azul eliminate Atlanta United. This one went to penalties and the Red Bulls get the 2-1 win over San Luis. Monterey also beat Seattle 4-2. Seattle also eliminated from And they were up 2-0. They were up 2-0. After five minutes. Wild. <laughs> Which is crazy. I was like, oh. Wild, wild, wild results. Um, we talked a lot about that Cruz Azul Atlanta mm. game because both of those teams uh, got messied. Mm -hmm. Now we can. <laughs> what a great way to put it. Right? Yeah. It's, it's literally what happened to them. Uh, but then they had to face each other. And this was a big, a big test for Atlanta to see how they would respond after I think people were just, especially the Atlanta fan base, which we know is incredibly passionate and engaged. So underwhelmed with that performance against mm. Miami where they just kind of rolled over. And for them, I mean, they played, they looked better in this. Pineda made some changes. Uh, in, that goal was crazy, by in, the way. This, this goal came a from a throw-in. This goal came from a throw-in. I love a good long throw-in. And this is Almada equalizes and, and gives Atlanta life. But then it would go to Penns. Yeah, drag and, city uh, here. Curata. No. Just, oh, no. Uh, that, oh, no. That's a defender. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> no. Wow. Yeah. Spoken like a forward. Uh, unfortunately, that's why they're in the back. Yeah. Right? They're not <laughs> scoring goals. But uh, it comes back to Atlanta United not having enough quality. 
Tiago Mata, star. He is destined, the team. Destined for Europe, star. He is the team. Everything else, lackluster. Just, just don't have it. I think it's not it, well organized. They, they can't keep possession. They defend. The intensity to defend isn't there. So if you don't have the quality, like you said, you got to have the intensity. Yeah, didn't it, have that. If you did your scouting report before the game, you knew exact, that game turned out to be exactly what the scouting report would have said, right? So they score a lot of goals, but they concede a ton of goals. Mm-hmm. And the first goal, when you're not winning a lot of games, you're not doing well, the first goal comes from a long throw. And if you watch the defending, it's really bad. It's low-level defending. The right back from Atlanta comes back in where there's already two on on the center forward and they leave someone at the back post in crazy amounts of space. Completely open. Concede a very soft goal, so we knew Atlanta concedes a lot of goals. And then who's going to save them? Almada with the quality from his free kicks. Giacomakis obviously can cause some danger, some powerful stuff. Uh, but in the end, not enough, like Charlie says, not enough quality to, to get it over the line. And, and again, they're at home, too. they got to win those games at home. Yeah. Against a good Cruz Azul side, but they have to win those games but, at home. But Cruz Azul is not, not a great Cruz Azul No, worse than, well worse than Inter-Miami Inter-Miami well. They did play well against Inter-Miami. But, like, you know, where where do we rate MLS versus Liga Mekis? It feels like we had turned that corner. But this competition is starting to feel like, you know, the night of an arranged marriage. You're like, it's, it's a little awkward. <laughs> what do we do? Who goes first? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just 50, a little 50, 50, it's 50. a little awkward still where are we good or not? Is this, is this good? Like, what's <laughs> happening? Is it just the messy show? Is that why we're tuning into League's Cup? A team like Atlanta, for as bad as their back line has been, for as bad as the defending was, we should be able to beat the worst team in League. I'm no, Yankees. they're not good. Okay. Atlanta's not good. Well, see what I'm saying? Are we good? Just not, no, Atlanta's Atlanta not good. is not good. Yeah, Cincinnati, they play Chivas. Chivas has a strong, strong start to the season. They have a quality team. And since he played them off the park, right. that shows you a good team versus a bad team in right. the Eastern Conference. A team that's well-built and has the right pieces. They don't have star defenders, but they defend collectively. There's a group, and there's an I identity. I got my boy Miazga there. Come on. Give right, yeah, come on. He helps. But, <laughs> but we have they, a they have an middle identity. of the Eastern Atlanta has nothing versus the worst in Liga Amakis, and that's an even match. Atlanta has a star player. That's it. That's Absolutely. It. We both said it. It's the, it's the whole so, team. So that answers your question. A good team versus a bad team with one star. That's what happens when you get those type of performances. There's still a lot of questions being asked of this Atlanta team, how it was put together, why this roster is the way it is, mm-hmm. the coach, the front office. There's a lot of questions being I, asked I, I don't right put now. so much blame on Pineda. Do you not? I, I, I don't. Because I, he seemingly is under a lot of pressure right now, him and Carlos Bocanegra. They, there, is, there is now, I think, over three weeks until mm-hmm. their next match. That's a lot of time. And it's a lot of, time a lot to of conversations, I think that Garth Lagerway is probably going to be having some very hard conversations in these next coming weeks. Is this the time? You, know, you look at, at sort of what's left in the season. As it stands right now, they're, they're still in the playoffs. But is, this, is it time to make changes now? Is this, would this be a, a good time to to kind of, I don't know, shake things up. If you I think that break helps them, right? Because it's almost yes. like a mini preseason again. You could hit a reset button. When you have three weeks, that's a lot of time in the middle mm-hmm. of the season. I mean, two weeks is a lot of time in the middle of the season, but three is, if there's ever going to be a reset button, a time to make changes, in my opinion, would be now, you know? Garth Lagerway built winners in Seattle. A very loyal guy, though. Right? He kept uh, Schmetzer. He had yeah. in Seattle. Yeah, exactly. But he seems like a relatively loyal guy. He doesn't seem like someone who makes rushed decisions. But he is, he is someone who was, who was brought in to build a winner. Mm-hmm. And this is not a winning and, team. And 
he just came into this mm -hmm. team. So it's going to take time. He has to analyze. He has a lot of work to do within this group. How much so, more analysis do you need than most of one season? The, well, that's why he's in the place. No, I'm asking. Is. That wasn't me being. I'm not playing devil's advocate. I'm asking. Yeah. You have this many matches. That's not enough of an analysis for yeah. you to say like yeah, six half a season. Now, now you can say, okay, this is somebody season. that we can build around, somebody that we want to move. But MLS contracts, you can't just pick up pieces and move. It takes time. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the – I think the challenge with MLS teams is we've seen teams come to power. Like, we see Cincy now this year, right? But the continuity is not there. There's no team in the MLS, maybe one or two, that you say, wow, this is a team that's been at the top level for a long time because the roster needs rebuilding, and then by the time it gets rebuilding, by the time you move all your pieces, it's kind of slow. So, Because Atlanta, not long ago, was the, the hottest team uh, in, in the MLS when they, when they won the MLS Cup, and they looked – every time you watch them play, you, in, it was pure entertainment. Uh, Do you and know how long ago just, that was? No, no teams can, can keep that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I guess, I mean, long enough ago, but <laughs> yeah. still, but still, I mean, at least they've reached those heights, but I think the challenge for MLS teams are to keep that consistency. I think, well, maybe Seattle has done it. I, I can't name too many others that have been able to be that consistent, maybe LAFC. And Philly as of late. Philly as of late, not when Doing I was Doing it around. a different way. No. Yeah. Doing it a but different way. But we're talking Philly. the past five years. Yes, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I believe group stage wraps up tonight, so then we will have final answers on who is advancing to the round of 13 in League's Cup. Right now, we have a score update for you between that Canada and Australia match. Australia up 3-0 now. Wow. Wow. And I'm, I'm not mistaken, if, even if Ireland win, now Nigeria looks like they're going to still yeah, have a so spot. This in, is in, the, in, the in, live standings well. for Group B, so it would be Australia and Nigeria advancing out of the group stage Canada. Sad days for our neighbors up north. Wow. Um, all right, guys, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we are chatting the U.S. women's national team and their big matchup with Portugal on the other side. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Here's a look at your early Tuesday morning fixtures in the Women's World Cup. Vietnam taking on the Netherlands at 3 a.m. Eastern and Portugal, U.S. also at 3 a.m. That game on Fox. Um, in Group D, we've got China taking on England as well as Haiti and Denmark. Those matches at 7 a.m. Ooh, okay. So, U.S. taking on Portugal. Suddenly, this game... Um, has quite a bit of, of meaning for them after only getting the draw with Netherlands. We talked a lot last week about how Vlatko did not change up his starting 11 from the game against Vietnam to the Netherlands. Charlie, you said it. You're wanting change. You're yes. expecting change. Who are the players that you want to see get the start on this pitch and maybe who the ones that are going to be relegated to the bench? I think rotations are extremely important in World Cups to, to give players fresh legs and opportunity. The U.S. have depth, but you wouldn't know given the, the lack of substitutions and changes within the first two games. But I would expect Roosevelt to get the start in this Absolutely. game at least 60 and see what, what she can do. Um, I would like to see some rotations up top in the, in the trio. Trinity Rodman, I think, could use a break, give her some time to reflect on her, her past two performances, and then have her fresh legs for the knockout round. So I'd like to see Lynn Williams get a start on, on the right flank, uh, Alyssa Thompson get a start on the left flank, and Sophia Smith up top. 
and have her play as the nine. No Alex Morgan. No Alex Morgan. Wow. That's she, what, this is what you would do? Yes. Okay. She, she, she's a our veteran. Captain. Bench our she, captain. Joe, she's you a ready, veteran. You ready to double team this guy right I, now? My oh, God. Please, please what do. is happening? <laughs> she's a veteran. Give her some fresh legs. You don't need Alex Morgan to beat Portugal. It's a must win. It is a must win. Yes. They need a result. The, the, they need a win. About? This is not a game for rotation, in my opinion. No. Not wholesale. Not wholesale. If you're telling me one player. This. Lynn, Lynn, okay. I, I, I Trinity, I, I could buy I don't Alex ex- Morgan on a bench? I don't expect Alex Morgan to be on the bench. This is what I would do. Well, I am glad you're not the coach. Good. Because that is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Alex Morgan <laughs> is your co-captain. Uh-huh. You start her. Mm-hmm. If you take her out early for a Lynn or an Alyssa Thompson swapping with Sophia Smith, fine. <laughs> but to not start her so, on a must-win last game so of the other group stages from, when we're supposed to win three in a row? So from your what point you, where, where so were you this weekend? So what was in that cup? So your point of you, right? So you're going to have Alex Morgan, uh-huh. who's one of your older players yeah. in the team, start the first three, and then the knockout round. How, how fresh do you think her legs will be in that She's knockout not round? 48 years old. She's 34. <laughs> She's 34, though. 34? I mean, you can take her out early, so, especially so, if you're so, winning. So 34 yeah. on, on four straight 90-minute matches. Do you, do you think, think Alex Morgan would be happy being benched for a must-win? I don't know if you know, but mm-hmm. it does not matter if your player is, is happy or not. But, but imagine Alex Morgan's on the bench and you lose to Portugal. Yeah. Well, you then, then you have some problems. Effect. You're then done. you have yeah. some problems. You shouldn't lose to Portugal. you got to put your best player. Okay. You shouldn't. I think. It's still yeah, a must win. Where do you win. stand on this debate? No, I, I think uh, Alex Morgan, she hasn't wowed anyone. I think the only two goal, only two goal scorers have been Haran and, and Sophia Smith. But... There's been a lot of good pieces, a lot of balance in the team, but in the must win, I'm playing my best 11, mm-hmm. regardless of. And Alex Morgan is in my best in your 11. Best yeah. Yeah. And what's happened a lot, what I, what I see the way they attack, is that Alex Morgan hasn't really maybe run the channel as much as you would have liked or as much as she did in the past. But she comes in and links a lot of play. With her assist in the first game was sure. tremendous. tremendous mm-hmm. yeah. She's done a lot of stuff off the ball that's been good, plus what she represents as a leader on the field and an experienced yeah. player and one of the world's best players. But I think what happens is a lot, she comes into the midfield, and the two wingers are, instead of, they're not like traditional wingers where they're out, Rodman and Sophia Smith. They're, they're flying in behind, almost playing as two strikers, and then Alex Morgan comes in a little bit deeper. So I think it's really helped them to be dangerous, you know? And when Lavelle is in and, and Haran, and they're running from the midfield as well, they become this five-headed monster in the attack that you can't pick these numbers up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is because Alex Morgan and ability to come into that midfield and link play at, at times as well. But so she's a, she's a key piece to me. No doubt the players you've picked, Alyssa Thompson, Sophia Smith, and Lynn Williams, are a dangerous front three mm-hmm. under most circumstances. But if I told you you also had the option of Alex Morgan, I'm going to say she starts every time. She may not play a full 90. I don't want to discredit what you're saying with regards to her age and, and you know, how long. Because every game from this point on is a must win. So it's going to be important for her to be fresh. Absolutely. But you want to start with Alex Morgan on the pitch. I don't I, – unless there's an injury, unless there's a concern, I wouldn't consider putting her on the bench. I mean, Charlie's right, too. You could play the other way and then have Alex Morgan as, a, as a, you know, someone that you can bring in to change the game off the bench as well. I, I, sure. I think, I, I think Lynn Williams provides a much better superstar. I'm expecting this U.S. team – to, to go out and win this game and it, have it not be an issue where this is tight come 70, 75th minute. So if I'm thinking long-term as a coach, which is why he should have rotated against the Netherlands and played some players, diff- some different players, or made substitutions much earlier in the game, that now you have to do that because you're going to have some really heavy legs in the knockout round when it starts to get really difficult. And then there is no rotations at that point. You have to play your best players every single time. I think 
even with Alyssa Thompson and Lynn Williams on the wings and Sophia Smith up top, you have enough to beat this Portugal side. I don't disagree about, with that. How about defensively? Mm -hmm. uh, Julie Ertz, we have seen as the center back. Is it time to have Alana Cook and Naomi Gurma back um, there as a center back pairing? Two games ago was the time to do yeah. that. I, I don't understand this experiment. I don't understand why he's doing it. I don't know why he's sticking to it. I, fine, we haven't lost, but come on, you know. Ray, you guys you, are not happy with her? I thought she's been decent. She's been fine, but to me, it's like you brought two center backs. Yo, play your center backs. Yeah. And I know, I know you're going to say Julie Ertz was a center back. You've got Alana Cook, you've got Naomi Gurma, start them. Charlie, please. you like Julie Ertz, right? Back there? I do. I, I just, see, again, what Alana she represents, Cook, like, uh, not, uh, just the, not just the football side, like, what she represents as a leader in mm -hmm. the team there, you know? I, I think that's why he has her there. I don't I think, think you lose anything by putting her in the, any I think place. the redundancy here is when you have Andy Sullivan and Ertz playing yeah. in the same team. Because Alana Cook looked shaky in the times that she did play. I, I look back to the Ireland friendlies. She didn't look like she was a starting center back with this team. And I think that's played into Vlaco making these decisions, saying, you know what? I haven't seen the confidence from her to play her in, the game, in, in, in this starting 11. But I know what I'm going to get from Julie Ertz every time. Now, Julie Ertz isn't the the best center back when it comes to playing out of the back. So that's where I think Naomi Gurma in the first game against Vietnam really showed her ability to get into midfield and, and make those passes. Don't, you don't have to rely on Julie Ertz to make the game. But Andy Sullivan, maybe that's where you make the change. Yeah. And you bring in someone totally else agree. to totally play. Agree. Ertz can play to, to Andy the Sullivan's position to another level. It, it, Ertz can have... play Andy Sullivan's position just as good as Andy Sullivan is playing yeah. it. And I think now you get another natural center back. I, to me, that makes the but most sense. That, that, that's two defensive players. You don't need that. You, you have possession. You need somebody who can get on the ball, who can, who can play between the lines, who can find different types of passes. So and you're saying don't play Julie Ertz? Julie Ertz is center back. You play Yo, you want to keep her at center back. Okay. than Andy Sullivan. They need a win. They need a draw uh, in order to advance that match against Portugal. 3 a.m. tomorrow morning. All right, guys, we are going to take a break. We are less than two weeks away from the start of the Premier League season. So we are going to chat a little Man City and Arsenal. Guys, you ready for this? Let's go. Let's go.